Easter is one of the times where Christians intentionally focus on, remember, and celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the ways we can do that is by reading the passages that describe his death, burial, and resurrection to us. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did just as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Well, for a number of us, uh, this will be the first Easter Sunday in as far as we can remember uh, when we haven't been gathered together uh, publicly to worship the Lord uh, together as a body of believers. And so this is a very different time for us. Uh, there is a lot of, still obviously, difficulty in the world right now, still a lot of uncertainty, still a lot of... Uh, suffering in a lot of places and in some ways this is just the smallest analog but you can try to imagine just a little bit about how absolutely shattering it would have been for Jesus's disciples at this time about 2,000 years ago when they saw their Savior and Lord betrayed and arrested and tried and beaten and crucified and buried 
and they had no expectation actually even though Jesus had told them what was going to happen they didn't understand and so they were wrestling with the loss of someone they loved who had loved them perfectly and, and you can imagine what that experience was like too the disciples actually lived and walked with someone who loved them perfectly they were the recipients of pure and perfect true genuine love how would it be to walk with Jesus and to be loved by Jesus in, in a divine and perfectly human way then have they taken away he, he was their teacher he, he was their hope he was their expectation and then he died in, in the most cruel and ignominious fashion shame pain all of the rest and then they were scattered and when they first heard the report of resurrection all they heard was actually their, their, their first report wasn't of resurrection really the first report was of you know the tomb's empty you know we've seen the lord and, and they didn't understand they didn't understand that a resurrection had occurred so they raised some of them you know the, the peter and john they run to the tomb to, to investigate but there's just confusion they're pondering they're afraid they're uncertain they have no idea what's going on their state of confusion, their psychological pain and turmoil was, was much worse than anything we've experienced uh, during this time. Peter, later on, uh, writes a, a beautiful epistle. Uh, he, First Peter is one of my favorite New Testament letters. And Peter talks a little bit about resurrection hope and what it means for us. And so today, for Easter Sunday, I want us to consider a little bit about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, before we... Uh, consider this passage together. Let's pray. Our Father, we just ask that now by your Spirit, the same eternal Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, uh, that you will bless us uh, through your words, so that we can bless your name. Help us to profit from your word. Help us to appreciate Christ. And help us to enter into the great hope that is ours through resurrection power. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This uh, section uh, is actually just one really long sentence. Uh, the first verse, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, gives you sort of the main clause of that sentence, and all the rest of what I read is sort of subsumed under it. That is, 
everything in this section is giving you a reason to praise God the Father and to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The first reason is God's mercy. In his great mercy. Uh, in Lamentations, of course, very, very famously, we're told that the mercies of God, the, the steadfast love of the Lord is sort of renewed every day. His kindness is renewed every day. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Psalm 23. Uh, the mercy of God is, is a wonderful biblical theme. It, it's sort of the, it's connected to grace, but, but slightly different. Uh, so mercy sees people uh, who are in a certain type of plight. Uh, mercy sees people who are in difficulty and who need some help. They, they're in a situation that they, they need some, uh, the alleviation of some pain or suffering. And so mercy sees the need, but then is also sort of emotionally stirred towards it, and then acts to do something about it. So there's sort of sight and, and emotional response and then action uh, to actually do something to help someone. And the Bible celebrates the fact that God actually has great mercy for us. Uh, God has mercy and compassion uh, for his creation. God has mercy for his children. Uh, he sees people who are suffering who cry out to him and he will come alongside of them and give them the strength and the resources and the comfort that they need. So in his great mercy, it starts with a merciful disposition of God towards us. In his great mercy, he has done something for us. His mercy has motivated him to do something. What is it? Well, in his mercy, he's given us new birth. Of course, uh, the, the sort of paradigmatic teaching of Jesus about new birth or regeneration uh, is in John chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus about the need of being born again. And the whole idea here is that spiritually, you know, we're born spiritually dead, and so we need to be born again. We, we need to have spiritual life imparted to us. We need to be regenerated so we can live spiritually. And this is a work, this is a miracle that only God can do. Uh, only God is capable of making the dead live. Only God is capable of infusing people with spiritual life. And in his great mercy and grace, that's what he does. Uh, he gives people the new birth into spiritual life so that we can live. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into something. And what is that? It's into a living hope. Uh, a living hope is one that's real. You know, it's genuine. You can count on it. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is sort of a positive disposition or posture or stance on the basis of the promises of God. So we hope in Jesus, not because we just sort of wishfully, you know, desiring good things to come to us through Jesus, but our hope in Jesus is sure and certain. You know, we, we talk in, uh, we look at it in Hebrews, that our hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. Our hope goes into the inner curtain. Our, this, our hope is attached to Jesus, and Jesus goes into the inner sanctuary. He goes into the most holy place. Our hope is attached to Jesus, and so our hope is in the objective reality of who Christ is and what he has done. So our hope is in the living God. 
It's not a matter of my emotional strength. It's a matter of the object of my hope. Who am I hoping in? And because I'm hoping in the work of Christ, I know that my hope cannot be disappointed. Truthfully, there are a number of hopes in this world, a lot of desires that we have that we, we don't live to see them fulfilled in this life. But our hope in the promise of God can never fail. Where we have a clear word from God, we have a sure and certain promise. Our hope in Jesus Christ cannot be disappointed. Because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He has conquered death and hell. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we hope for eternal life. And it's not just wishful thinking. It's that we long for it. We, we look forward to it eagerly with anticipation. Our hope is in it because our hope is sure and certain. It will happen. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Those who have their faith in him will be saved. And so in God's great mercy, he's given us new birth into this living hope. But how? How can we today have living hope? The way the world is, with this pandemic, with the isolation, uh, with, with the economic situation, uh, with a bit of the chaos, with, with the uncertainty, you know, with how this has affected people personally. Uh, and you can even, frankly, set all this COVID stuff aside. Think about it last year, a year ago, no one even heard of COVID-19. No one could have imagined January 1st of this year that in 2020, we, a few months into 2020, we'd be experiencing this. No one, no one had, had, had even remotely considered this as a possibility, let alone sort of expecting it. But think about a year ago, long before all of this COVID-19 stuff. Was there pain? Was there suffering? Were there people who were hurting? Were there people who were lonely? Were there people who were longing for things that have not been fulfilled in this last year? Was there disappointment? Was there illness? Were people dying? Were the hospitals still full? Were families breaking up? I mean, the, the, the reality is you don't need COVID-19 in order to have a lot of pain and suffering and turmoil in the world, both sort of uh, in individually and corporately and nationally and transnationally. We always need hope. We always need the mercy of God. We always need to focus on what God has done for us through Christ, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so even though today we may, in our context, have a bit of a different framework for understanding, you know, uncertainty and suffering and loss, that's always been around. We always need a living hope. The world needs hope. You and I need hope. It's indispensable for human life. But this is one of the things that uh, Viktor Frankl uh, identified uh, coming out of uh, the, the concentration camps. He said, one of the things you could tell was that someone was going to die 
when their eyes lost sort of that flicker of hope. It didn't matter how strong someone was. When they lost hope, it was only a matter of time before they succumbed and died. But when people had hope, it gave them a power to persist and continue on. He said hope is one of the most important things in all of this world in terms of human psychology. That's true. We need hope. We need a living hope, a real hope. Where do you get it? Where can you find a real hope? Well, in God's great mercy, there's all reasons to praise the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through, this is, how does this hope come to us? It comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is not intrinsic to us. Our hope is a gift given to us because of what Christ Jesus has done on our behalf. He has died in our place. He has paid the penalty for our sin. And in his perfect life, in the power of his indestructible life, he died in our place and has also then been raised to life, raised to glory. And because of our faith in him, because of our union with him, when he died, we died too, in a sense. We are united with him in his death, in his burial, and also in his resurrection. That is, we partake and participate in his resurrection life. And so our great hope is, is actually based on historical fact. It's, it's based on something that's already happened. Our great hope is this. Jesus Christ has already died, and he's already been resurrected. He, it's already happened. And because Jesus Christ has already been resurrected, and my whole destiny is tied in union with him, then my death has been died, and my burial has been accomplished, and my resurrection in principle has already taken place. Because what Jesus has experienced, I experience. He has done these things in my place. And I receive the benefit of his resurrection through my faith union with him. I will experience resurrection in the future. That's our living hope. We will be raised. Why? How do you know? We will be raised because Jesus has already been raised. It's already been done. In God's great mercy, he planned this plan of salvation, centering on Christ's vicarious substitutionary death on our behalf. In his mercy and grace and love, the Lord Jesus Christ planned with God the Father and the execution of the Holy Spirit to come and to live and to die, to be buried, to be raised again, so that we who are sinners could be saved and enter into this living hope. And it all comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so today, wherever we are, uh, whoever we're able to be with, even though we all can't be together, the one person that we are always with and always united to is Jesus Christ himself. We are already united to eternal life through him and resurrection power. Peter goes on to say, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you also have this living hope in an, in an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, 
or fade. You know, that is, it, there's total freedom from, from death and corruption. Uh, it will never be spoiled. It will always be pure. This beautiful inheritance is ours. This inheritance is kept in heaven. That is, it's safe. Uh, God himself has our inheritance for us. You know, not in a strong box or a safety deposit box here on earth. No, it's not down in Fort Knox somewhere. It's actually in heaven itself, kept perfectly safe for us. And, and you might say, well, well yes, but... My, my inheritance is in heaven, but I'm on earth. How do I know I'll get to heaven? And Peter says, oh, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, listen, this living hope that you have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's never going to disappoint you. It can't fail. Because Christ is raised from the dead, he is exalted over the heavens, he's reigning at the right hand of the Father, and your inheritance is kept for you where Christ is in heaven, and you yourself are shielded, you're guarded, you're protected by God's power. Until the day when the coming of your salvation is revealed at the last time. That is, friends, there is a beautiful day of consummation coming. There will be the wedding feast of the Lamb. There will be Revelation 21 and 22. There is going to be the time when we see Jesus Christ ourselves face to face. Right now, honestly, it would be really, really nice to see some of you. And I, I'm sure you feel that. You know, you, you at this time have the enormous misfortune of seeing this face uh, on a computer screen, or you know, you might just be watching or listening to the audio, not watching the video. I would, I wouldn't blame you a bit. Um, but wouldn't it be nice just to be together? Wouldn't it be nice just to, to be able to worship God together? I mean, don't you miss that? Like, I, I think this is one of the things that, that's really struck me. Uh, I remember during that first week or so when everything was going chaotic in our society, I went to three different grocery stores and, and there was no bread. Just, there were just, it wasn't there, it wasn't on the shelves. So to go in and see bare shelves, and you know, a lot of canned food gone, a lot of rows of meat empty, and it just your your, your brain, just psychologically, just kind of registers. Oh, that's that's different. It's a little odd. So even if you're not stressed, it's a little. It just it's still jarring in terms of your equilibrium. Remember, a, a few days later, I'd popped in and out of grocery stores, just sort of just kind of. Just, partly for interest, frankly, also sort of monitoring when do they have things in and all of the rest. And I remember when I went in and found bread. And, and I bought my two loaves, my, my limit, not panic buying. And I said to the uh, cashier when I bought it, I said, you know, I've been grocery shopping 
know, really sort of ever since I was in high school for my family. And uh, I have never before been actually happy to be able to pick up bread. I've just totally taken it for granted. I, it's never occurred to me that, that one day I'd go into the grocery store and there wouldn't be loaves of bread to buy. It, it, it never crossed my mind that that might really actually take place. And so to finally have two loaves of bread was something which gave me a little bit of a thrill of joy, actually. Well, at this time, we're all learning that there are things we take for granted like gathering together to worship. What's it going to be like the next time we see each other? What's it going to be like when we can finally gather together again and see each other? Hopefully, depending on what the regulations are, maybe even have a really great handshake. I have no analogy for what it's going to be like when we finally see Jesus. But one day we're going to. One day, John tells us that we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. In other words, in that resurrection moment of the consummation when we receive that great day, when that great day finally comes and our salvation is ready to be revealed, when we see Jesus face to face, seeing his glory will transform us into his, into his glory. We will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It will be a total transformation. So you look forward to buying bread. You look forward to meeting together to worship. Oh, but, but look past that. Look to the future. Look to Jesus and what it will be like when one day your living hope is seen. Even now in God's great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the consummation, the fullness of that experience has not yet been had. Our hope is in resurrection power. And God has a day marked when Jesus Christ is going to return and when we will begin to enter into the fullness of these things. So don't give up your hope. Remember, that's one of the messages of Hebrews. Don't give up your hope. Don't give up your faith. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. And don't stop praising God. Because every one of these things that we've mentioned, Peter says, in terms of the structure of his sentence, these are all reasons to praise God, our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's a very different Easter Sunday from what we would have been anticipating just not even too, too long ago. But I trust that God will take his word, take his truth, and in ways that I can't do and that you can't do, but by his, but by his Holy Spirit and through his supernatural power, I pray that he will open our eyes to see Christ, to experience that new birth, and to just revel in the joy of his mercy and love and our hope 
in resurrection until that day when we see Jesus Christ ourselves face to face. Well, on this Easter Sunday, may God bless you.